Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. Are you hungry to hear more about our beautiful Savior Jesus? Well, the Bible declares that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of Jesus. Join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and testimonies of God's goodness in your life. Thanks for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I'm so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are and enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in Heaven. I've got a great show for you today. Just recently, I had the privilege of sitting down with the Director of Women on the Frontline's Global Ministry and author of Just Getting Started, Wendy Peter. And we had this great conversation about stepping into our God-given dreams and how each of us are designed to play a unique role in the body of Christ. And I'm so excited because I really believe this episode is going to encourage you guys today to help breathe some new life onto those old dreams and reignite some new ones in your hearts. So make sure you listen in. It's chock full of good information to inspire you and give you practical steps to step forward in your God-given call. But before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our Christina Prayer Ministry sponsors. Thank you so much to Gopher Ministries, who provides all of our equipment for our gospel events. Davis Financial Services, who does our financial accounting, Harvest Family Network, through which I am licensed and ordained, and of course, Life Changing Productions, who helps put together evangelistic events to reach our city for Jesus. If you or your organization are interested in becoming a CPM sponsor, you can find out more information on our website at ChristinaPereira.org. Do you have a loved one's special day coming up and don't know what to get them? Now you can sponsor an episode of Revealing Jesus in their name with a special dedication message. It makes an amazing gift. To find out more information how to honor your loved one, visit ChristinaPereira.org slash podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Plexus Living Free. It's hard to do and be all that God has for us. World changers, the light of the world, when you don't feel your best. Most of the health issues we deal with today have the same roots of poor gut health, blood sugar imbalance, and inflammation. But you can address those issues with best-in-class plant-based supplements. Your body can come into balance and you can be healthy and thrive. That's exactly what Plexus products do. They improve your gut health, balance your blood sugar, and reduce inflammation naturally, helping you thrive from the inside out. Whether you're looking for immune system and active lifestyle support, improve digestion and nutrition, or balance your body through natural products, or even lose weight, Plexus products are an answer. Take this quiz and receive 10% off and free VIP membership 
on your way to health and happiness. Just enter code RJ10OFF. I've got a great offer for you guys today. I love bringing you additional resources to help build your faith, and I'm so pleased to bring you this offer. I have a beautiful book called Inspired by the Psalms, Decrees that Renew Your Heart and Mind. With this book, you can help create a heavenly atmosphere with these powerful decrees as we become like David and we pour out our heart before a living, breathing, loving, active Savior in our life. Make sure you check this out as well as any other resources by our special guests in the show notes. As always, I will have links to today's show in the podcast show notes where you can access all of the information mentioned in today's episode, plus additional resources to help you grow in grace and peace as you fix your eyes on Jesus. Without further ado, let's listen in on my conversation with Wendy Peter. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I am so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are and enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in heaven. I've got a great show for you today. I have an amazing leader in the body of Christ with me today. She is the director of Women on the Front Lines Global Ministry, and she is the author of Just Getting Started. Welcome to the podcast, Wendy Peter. Uh, thank you. It is an honor and a pleasure to be with you here today. Oh, thank you so much. Well, we appreciate all of the amazing work that you are doing to raise up women leaders in the body of Christ. And I have to say that I really feel like this is something that the Lord is doing right now in this hour. He's wanting his full body moving with him. Um, I've told our listeners so much about you. Is there something that you can share with them? Maybe something personal just to help get to know you? Get to know me. I think the most important thing that people are surprised at in meeting me is the fact that I did not grow up in the church at all. And not only did I not grow up in the church, I grew up in a very uh, atheist, uh, rebellious, out of control kind of a family. And God did such a deep work in me that when people meet me, they, they can't feel that on me. They can't feel that trauma. They can't feel that history. And they're always surprised if they hear my backstory from my childhood. And hopefully that actually releases hope for people who are saying, you know, I was abused severely as a child or I had a terrible time and I'm still struggling with that. But God can bring you through that into such a place where that you are more identified with who you've become than who you were. And I believe that that's something that, you know, I'd want the listeners to know is that I do have a story that is very much like many stories where, I didn't start my journey in a happy home or um, even at the starting gate where most people were. I had mm -hmm. to start way back behind <laughs> and I had a lot of things I needed to overcome. And so because of that, um, I guess in some ways you could say I was a late bloomer in the church in some ways, although I don't believe anything's an accident. And so many people who are listening to this, some may be very young, uh, but some may be older as well and thinking, well, I'm, I've kind of missed my chance because, you know, I took all these years to have to get whole and healed and I'm not quite there yet. 
And so I really carry a mantle of hope for people mm. who feel like they've maybe been disqualified, feel invisible, feel too old, too young, or just that there's no opportunity for them. I absolutely love that. You know, I love that every story that I get to share here on Revealing Jesus is a story of redemption. How did you meet Jesus? How did I meet Jesus? Well, the first time I met Jesus, I had an encounter as a little girl with somebody dropping off one of those flyers into our mailbox that was, I think, what they called a tract. And it had a picture of like a guy. And then the guy gets in a car accident and you see him standing before God. I didn't quite understand it. I was like a little girl. Mm-hmm. But I it, and, and basically they would call a turn or burn type of a tract. And as a little girl, I just looked at this and my family had no religion at all. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I need to, I need to fix this. I remember vividly like kneeling beside the uh, lazy boy chair in the living room and praying the words on this little prayer. So that my first introduction to Christianity, but something actually began to happen. And I began to wake up in the middle of the night. My house, I hold was not a safe place. There were mm. some things going on that made it not safe for children. And so I grew up learning to hide, learning to stay out of the way, you know, not be visible. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and we used to have these heating vents that would come up in the middle of the floor, not on the walls like today, but right in the middle of the floor. And I would take my blanket and I would sit on that heating vent. I would talk to God and I would tell him all about my life. And what happened out of that was that one day a man came knocking at our door and said, is there anyone here who wants to go to Sunday school? Now, I was probably the most difficult child in my household, and my mother looked at the guy because she did not want any of her children in church, but she did want me out from under her feet. And so she said, yes, come and get this one and take her to Sunday school. Mm -hmm. And so that bus began to bring me to Sunday school every week, and I believe that that was a holy setup. I believe that was a direct answer to a little girl in the middle of nowhere praying something she read off of a paper and asking God to be in her life. And, you know, my journey from that point on into uh, becoming into full-time ministry where I am today was a long and complicated journey because uh, those seeds were planted into me as a child, um, but my parents began to feel very threatened as I got older and I was involved with what they called religious people. And they basically threatened to throw me out if I continued to go to church. It's like the opposite. Some kids get threatened to Mm. uh, be thrown out if they don't stop being so bad. I was threatened. You're going to be thrown out if you don't stop being so good. And eventually I fell away from um, going to the churches and being involved. And I went into a lifestyle for several years that was, you know, with drug addicts and travel and musicians and things like that. And really had an encounter with the Lord just coming home on a bus from some kind of party and mm. passed on by one of the churches I used to go to. And really, you know, we talk about hearing the voice of God and I wouldn't have had a grid for that back in those mm. days. What does it mean to hear the voice of God? But I suddenly had a strong presence around me, compelling me to go into that church. And so I got off the bus and I went into the church and I'm pretty sure the you know, church evangelism committee thought, oh my gosh, we've got a live one. Because at that point, you know, I had, uh, this is during the, um, what was that rock and roll era called the punk rock era. Mm-hmm. And so I had my head shaved on one side and the other side was a hot pink mohawk, had on a leather skirt. You know, I was like, I wasn't um, ready for church in their mind, I'm sure. But in my mind, God said, get off and go in the building. So I went in 
and I sat down in one of the pews and I had no idea what was going on. All I know is my mask started melting. And what I mean by that is I started to cry and all the makeup was running down my face. And uh, they, they did a call for what I now know as communion. And I didn't know what it was. It's funny seeing it through the eyes of the church, through the eyes of someone who has no idea what's going on. And all of a sudden, everybody was getting in a line to go up to the front. So I just got in the line. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and I got up to the front. And the lady who was serving communion had been my grade eight home ec teacher. And she said, oh, Wendy, I'm so delighted to see you're here. She made no comment on my appearance. And that was the beginning of my walk with God in a, in a, in a serious way. And so oh. that's really how I met Jesus. I absolutely love that. You know, he knows just how to meet us exactly where we are and he never gives up on us. Never. I love that so much. Um, I loved reading through your book, just getting started. Um, and I love that you, one of your passions is raising up dreamers and specifically women dreamers. Can you tell me about a dream that you had in your life? The one thing my parents gave me in spite of who they were and who they were not is they gave me the ability to dream. So I grew up with these people who just wanted to do things and they wouldn't have the money. They wouldn't mm -hmm. have the materials. They wouldn't have any support and they would do it. My parents, you know, I think I tell a story in the book of my parents wanting a basement for our house mm -hmm. and they didn't have money to hire a contractor. And so they cut a hole under the kitchen sink and there was some kind of a mud, you know, underneath part of our house, I guess, like when they poured a house, they did a footing and they rest underneath was mud and they would drop us down there with shovels. And my dad would be down there with a shovel, shoveling mud out the window, one shovel full at a time. And, you know, that marked me as a little child that when you feel like you want something, but you, it might be beyond your reach. It doesn't mean you can't have it. And I watched my parents do that multiple times. They wanted to have an expensive Winnebago and they couldn't have one. And so they bought an old school bus. And next thing you know, they are renovating that and turning it into a driving RV. And we went all over the U.S. with that bus. And, you know, at one point they wanted a big expensive house and they couldn't afford that. And they... They um, found one that was being moved and once somebody wanted it moved and they bought it for a dollar. Wow. And then, you know, this house moved across our city into its place. And so it taught me to think out of the box. It taught mm. me to dream. And, you know, right from the time I became a Christian, I believe that my dreamer was activated already. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see in people is that they don't recognize the fact that the dreamer is within us. Mm -hmm. He is the dreamer and the world was God's dream. Uh, mm -hmm. The church was God's dream. You're God's dream. Yes. And a lot of times we go through and we go through this long journey of trying to fix ourselves. You know, we see our mm -hmm. perceived flaws. We grew up in an abusive home or with people who weren't Christians or whatever we think the story is that is a bad story. And I don't say that lightly because I experienced mm -hmm. some pretty severe abuse as a child. And even, you know, into my later life, not all physical, but pretty serious stuff. And I understand the impact of that. But what I think we feel to recognize is that God dreamt us mm. into being yes. and that he is a dreamer and he constantly creates. He creates through, um, you know, 
what we see outside when we see creation is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, but he creates through writing, through people, through speaking, through all these different ways. And one of the things that happened to me is that I decided, it was almost quite intentional, that everything I did, I would dream with God about it. And I wanted it to have a supernatural heavenly touch to it. So that meant mm -hmm. that if I was going to have a tea party with five ladies there, I didn't just have a tea party. I actually prayed into it. I asked God to show me a theme and show me what to do and to receive almost supernatural downloads mm -hmm. on what would make it neat. And so the result of that was that everything I did had a, a unique environment to it. People would come into my home and say, there's just something about this house, the detail, the way it's done. Like, what is this? You know, they would feel that. You would feel it on projects I did. And so I have always dreamed, you know, to answer your question, what is one dream you've had? I have always dreamed. Um, I think the most significant dream that I had was that when I was first a Christian, um, I, I had an encounter with God where I felt he was calling me into full-time ministry. And I'm old enough that that was an era where full-time ministry was very, very rarely open to women. Mm-hmm. And given the past that I had, the lack of training, the lack of opportunity, the lack of open, door, open doors or favor, the chances of that happening were very low. It wasn't going to come to me easily. And yet I had that dream. And part of my journey and my story is about pursuing the elements of the dream wherever you are and let God take care of the big picture. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I was young, people would come to our church and they would give prophetic words for anyone who's listening to this, who doesn't know what a prophetic word is. It's when somebody prays for you and they have a sense of what is on God's heart for you. And they share that with you. And that happened to me several times. And people would say things like, I keep seeing you with a multitude around you. And God, I feel God is saying that you are going to be a international leader over many nations and that you will be a global influencer. And now I was, you know, 20 years old and I'm getting prophecies about being surrounded by a multitude. So I try to look around and, you know, think, how do I find a multitude? How do I do this? And, you know, off we go, at, like most Christians, into striving to try to make the dream happen. And one of the most profound lessons that I would want to share with every person who is listening to this is that the joy in the dream is in the journey. We think that the joy will be in the arrival. And there is a satisfaction, a longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. But so often we get fixated on getting across a finish line. And the problem we have in our culture now is we have a hard time understanding how to measure success because our society has become obsessed with the idea of followers, mm -hmm. um, clicks on your, on your social media, mm -hmm. possessions, stuff. Uh, you know, how do we measure our success? And I met an older gentleman at one point, was a very successful man. Um, and he said to me, you know, what I've really learned, Wendy, is that my greatest fulfillment comes when I'm actually doing my purpose, when I'm doing the thing God created me to do. And we see the picture of Jesus at the well. You know, he's with this woman and the disciples go to get food for him and they come back. And he says, well, I've had a food 
a satisfaction that you can't even understand because he's like doing the will of the father. And so I think that, you know, when we talk about dreams coming true, we, we want to be able to right from the beginning, um, understand that the idea of doing a dream is the idea of bringing out the resources, the treasure that's within you. Mm-hmm. God wants to do that. And he has his treasure in there too. We carry the greatest artist that's ever lived. The same Holy Spirit that was in um, Michelangelo is in Mm -hmm. us. The greatest writer is within us, the greatest speaker. So we actually are never without resource for a dream. Um, But we do need to look at how we define success and get that right from the beginning so that we can enjoy the journey of the dream. Absolutely. I love that so much. You know, in in my walk, I'm a very creative person and, you know, there's no shortage in the creativity of heaven. He's always creating in us and through us. And it's so beautiful that we get to partner with him in this life. One of the places that I see a lot of people get stuck is just saying, how do I know if this dream in my heart is of God? or it's of me. And you, you talked about that a little bit in your book. You mentioned trying to figure out between, is this selfish ambition? What is this? Can you, can you share more about that with our listeners? I think that, that that's actually important to talk about because I, I, I definitely meet people in both ditches and in the one ditch, um, people are obsessed with, let's say being famous Mm. or being rich And what they're actually trying to do is they're trying to answer an insecure identity need. Mm -hmm. So the why, they haven't figured out their why or their why is very shallow. You know, why do I want to be rich? Why do I want to be famous? If if you can get down to self-honesty and say, um, because I want everyone to love me and I feel like that is what status is, um, that will not sustain a dream during the dry times and the tough times. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important as human beings that we admit being human, God created us with ego and he created us with a desire to be successful, a desire to be known, a desire to have power and influence. And so we will always grapple with that journey, but it is really important to examine that and say, why do I want to do this? How do you know if the dream is of God or not? I love the book of Acts where you know, I believe it was Peter and John were um, praying for someone and everyone was up in arms about it and they put them in jail. They're all arguing about what to do with these disciples. And the one guy said, leave them alone because it's a, if it's of God, it'll prosper. And if it's not of God, you know, it's not going to prosper. And I believe that when a dream is from God, um, he's actually just waiting for us to take the step. One of the things I do in all of my dreams take flight workshops, it's a coaching weekend that I do. And if you're interested in hosting one, you can just go to wendypeter.com and you can connect with me about that. But in those workshops, I always do an activation right at the beginning. And I ask people this question. I say, close your eyes, put on some soft music. If money wasn't an issue, if opportunity wasn't an issue, if your age wasn't an issue, if finding the time wasn't an issue, I want you to picture what your amazing life would look like. Where would you go? What would you do? You know, what does that look like? And without fail, every single person has a moment of lift. They have a view of their life doing something that is beyond what they're doing now. And so I think that in the body of Christ, particularly, the issue isn't that for the most part, 
people have too big of a head. I think the issue for the most part is that people have um, a wrong viewpoint of false humility. They think yes. that it is selfish ambition to serve God in a great way. And in the reality is we have billions and billions of people who are lost and broken and damaged and, you know, just absolutely, they're, they're not even needing to go to hell. They're in hell now. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so we have Christians who could help them and they're sitting back and they're saying, oh, but, you know, I don't know if I should do this because maybe it would be selfish ambition or I need my pastor's permission and all these reasons. <laughs> and so I like to say to people, um, here's the thing. I want you to work on your why. And so we, there's a whole portion of my book where we fill out a little form. I'm very practical because, again, not growing up in the church, I had no assumptions that, you know, people would make assumptions I would know about things I wouldn't know. So I don't assume people know when I'm talking mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. And so I get them to do a, another activation where they identify their why. What What is it that makes you angry or sad or excited? And, and it's funny because our why is often in the seat of our emotions. And so somebody will say, well, I, I'm really angry about human trafficking. Okay. And so, well, great. What do you want to do about it? Well, I want to stop it. Why? Why are you mad about it? Why do you want to stop it? Because it's wrong. So I get people to be able to frame their dream into a simple statement. And if you can't do that, that's one of the first things to work on. You have a a Christian podcast, you're out there preaching. It's probably something along the lines of, I want to empower people to know the truth because it'll set them free or whatever, you know, like it's, it's getting down to that simple statement. And so once you have that simple statement, um, there's very practical steps you need to take. I write some whole chapters called putting the T's in your opportunity. You need tools, you need timelines, you need a team, right? There's things that you need in order to make the dream happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when people are trying to discern whether it's God or not, my husband and I have taken some pretty big steps. We have reinvented ourselves over and over for Jesus. And so we have been willing, just like the rich young ruler, to lay down everything we were doing and go and follow Jesus into a new thing. My husband left a phenomenal job at the federal government, um, making a lot of money in a very powerful position. And when he turned 50, God put it on his heart to leave the government and purposely open a used car dealership in a row of crooked used car dealers in our city. There was like one street. It was all these like crooked car dealers. And he opened, um, Uh, a car dealership called deals with integrity auto sales it's not just a name it's a way we do business and so we had this idea for this kingdom project and Mm -hmm. when we did this project you know we needed to know it was god and so we we didn't rush we didn't have to rush i mean you don't want to drag your feet but when you're making a major life decision where you're going to give up your job or move Mm -hmm. to a city i think it's okay to give time to pray about that we began to pray and ask God for confirmations and various confirmations began to come and an increasing sense of dissatisfaction with the way things are. I read a chapter in my book talking about endings and it'll be like when it's time to end something, the thing that you love now becomes boring or you're, or you, in fact, you're, you're, I say it this way, your heart begins to gather evidence against the person, the place, or the thing. And, and you're all of a sudden critical about everything. And it was something you really love. What's going on here? Well, your heart is trying to find, help you find the power to break free. And if you're not able to do that, 
from a positive place, sometimes your heart will begin to gather criticisms to help you have the power to break away. And so I always encourage people to look at that and say, you know, you don't need to be offended in order to leave. You can actually just leave because it's time to leave. Yeah. So we need to recognize when there's a transition in our life and that season is coming and we need to pray. And it's okay to ask God for supernatural confirmations. You know, when we were praying about selling everything and opening this car dealership, we were sitting around a campfire one night with our friends. And it was at the beginning, well, maybe a little bit into the journey of thinking about it. We still hadn't done anything. And I said to our friends, you know, we have this crazy idea. Murray's thinking of leaving his job at the government and opening a car dealership. He's got this opportunity for some kind of a payout when he's 50. And he's thinking of doing it when he turns, you know, when he turns 50. And I just threw out a number. I said, you know, like in 10 months, uh, four weeks or three weeks and two days and 10 hours. I was just like making it up. And my friend, um, she knows my husband well. And she also knew when his birthday was. And she's also a mathematician. And she got really quiet. And, and about a minute later, she said, do you know what, Wendy? She said, Marie's birthday is in 10 months, three weeks, you know, four days and 10 hours or whatever. Like I had actually prophesied the exact date without knowing it. Mm-hmm. And you can't make those kinds of things up, right? Mm-hmm. The Lord will actually help to confirm what you are to do. And so, and I also really encourage people don't go to for advice to people who are invested in you staying the same. Mm. A lot of times, you know, if you've been running the church nursery for 35 years and that's not your dream, but there's no where one else to do it. If you go to your pastor and say, I feel like it, I want to do something different besides the nursery, he is going to give you a whole bunch of reasons why you should stay the same. So it's important to you know, get counsel from wise people, but people who have nothing to gain or lose if you follow your dream. And it's also important when making that decision to learn to listen to your knower. Mm-hmm. And what I find people get stuck in, it's a funny thing. They'll think that they have the answer. So if you were to picture a group of objects on the table, let's say pepper, salt, and a bottle of ketchup sitting on a table, right? They're sitting going back and forth between two wrong things very often. They're like, is it the pepper or the salt, the pepper, the salt, the pepper, the salt. And they because they haven't opened themselves up to the fact that God wants to do immeasurably above and beyond what we can ask or think. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes the way that we start a dream is that we start it in our little vision where we can imagine it. But God actually has a great big bottle of ketchup, (laughs) you know, something amazing for us that we haven't thought of yet. And so in this whole process of praying about it, um, is it God or not? I like to open myself up and say, God, I would like you to take the lid off and just show me what this could be and help me to be excited about it and expand your realm of your dream to be as big as it can be. I absolutely love that. And I I think it's so important once we get that dream and we get that vision, then we step out. You know, you talked about something in your book. You talked about Luke 14, 4. You talked about when Jesus went into the wilderness through the power of the Holy Spirit and he was tested in the wilderness and he really, really was affirmed in his identity and what he was to do for God. And then he stepped out and people rose up against him. They said, isn't this the carpenter's son? And they actually tried to throw them off a cliff. You know, a lot of times when we step out into a dream, into a new thing, and just like you were saying, people who we've known don't see us in that way can actually try to hold us back. You know, the enemy can use them to try to hold us back to, 
tell us that, you know, no, that's not of God. No, you're not supposed to be doing that. No, that's not the way I've seen you. Can you talk a little bit about how we combat that and how we overcome that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, and I think that's very often when somebody, people, people know our track record to a degree, so they know what we have done. So we're going to do something different. Um, You know, they, they may have a challenge in seeing us being able to do that. The, the people who had the hardest time accepting what who I became and who I am now was actually my biological family because it was very threatening to them to see me do things that no one in our family had done. No one had gone there. And sometimes you have to realize that when you live big, others who are watching that can feel very provoked by that. They can feel jealous, they can feel threatened, they can feel, you know, um, it's almost like holding up a mirror to them. And they, Mm -hmm. and it's not your intention at all. Like, I'm the least jealous person, it doesn't matter at all to me what anyone else is doing. And if they like what I'm doing, great. And if they don't, it's okay. But in their world, what you're doing, you know, will either inspire, or sometimes it'll provoke them. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I like to do, is I have a saying for myself, is I just say, Wendy, just be quiet and bear fruit because fruit is hard to argue with. And so I encourage people to start their dream wherever they are and do it in a small way and do it for free if you need to. You know, our society is obsessed with making finances and yet God actually calls us into a dream. He's not calling us into, sometimes it's a business endeavor, but he's calling us into kingdom. He's calling us, calling us to be uh, change makers, solutionaries, influencers in the world. Mm-hmm. So whenever I set out to do a dream, I like to, first of all, begin to test out whether this is a dream that people need. Uh, There was a season where I wrote a book on weight loss, and I ran a weight loss company because I saw that, especially for women, the devil was using weight gain um, and overweight to keep women from coming to their dreams. And so one of the things I did in that process is I gave away the dream for free. I just gathered a group of women And I began to teach the classes for free Mm -hmm. in order to, but it's really not for free. It's actually a gift for me because I'm getting real-time feedback on whether this dream I have is relevant, is is what I'm teaching working. And I do this with everything that I do. If I'm doing a training on public speaking, I will find a bunch of people, put them in a room, and I will do the sessions with them and see if it helped them become speakers. If it didn't, I probably am not going to market that out there. And so people, um, unfortunately, are sometimes, you know, they think that they're going to wait until the dream is perfect to put it out there. And we all have blind spots. And so I've met person after person who is disappointed because they've tried to launch a dream and they had it all in their head. Let's say, I'm going to write a book and the book is going to make me wealthy. Um, They don't even know how to market a book, uh, but somehow in their mind, they have this dream And they didn't, you know, get people to read it, even to check if the spelling was right. I had a guy who came to me and he had written a 950 page book. And I said to him, you know, a lot of people ask me to help them with things like this. And I said, you know, um, call him Joe. Joe, you're going to have to cut this book in half um, if you want it to even be bought by people because it's way too long. So I need you to cut out half. And ultimately, what I'm trying to say to him is you're going to cut out the less good stuff. You always keep the best stuff, right? And he said, no, 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 it's all super important. I can't cut anything out. Unable to sell any of those books because he hadn't actually developed his dream. What can happen is 
we, we miss some really important development steps. So I, I, I create like a circle for people. It's like a picture, like a target moving outward. And I say, first, perfect the dream in yourself. So um, I want to teach on weight loss or I want to teach on public speaking. I want to teach on being an influencer. First, lose the weight yourself. Have a testimony. Influence some people around you. Have a testimony. You know, uh, go on the steps of City Hall and preach the gospel. Do something that you have. You, you're, you're taking, you're not just having a testimony. You're gaining authority within yourself so that you about your dream with authority. And so, well, you might say, well, I don't have an opportunity to do that. My dream is to um, have clean water for, you know, um, kids in third world countries. Go and volunteer, volunteer with an organization that does that. Find your dream, find somebody who's doing it and serve them and learn. That's one of the most foundational things that you can do and make it easy for that, make it easy for that person to have you around. I have spent time with global influencers uh, whose names are very recognizable, but I have gone and I have cleaned their homes. I've helped them move. I have done whatever was necessary to be a friend in their life and just serve them. And out of that, I had the blessing of having them in part help to me in my dreams. I feel like I'm speaking to someone today who just long have a mentor and you, 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 you're looking for a mentor, but you don't know how to get a mentor. Find out how you can be around the mentor. Say, I would like to spend some time with you, but I want it to be easier for you. Could I come and clean your house? Could I come and do something with you and, and, and just help you? And I can ask you questions. So building the foundation carefully with real experience, with real people. I've talked about a few things here, testing it out in a group, gaining the experience in yourself, serving someone who knows what they're doing. That way, what other people think about whether you should or should, should not do about the dream doesn't really matter, okay? Because you're actually bearing fruit. You're being quiet and you're bearing fruit mm -hmm. and you're doing the dream. And then as the dream expands, uh, you'll be ready for the next step. The number one mistake I see people do is they launch a dream out into, we'll call it the internet and put all kinds of money into advertising and promoting, but the dream's not really developed. And they actually, it's premature and you can't get it back when, when it's out there. And so they don't have the equity with people to get them to follow. Mm -hmm. um, T.D. Jakes was very famous um, for being asked to describe Jesus with one word. And the word he used to describe Jesus was unhurried. And that's something that marked my spirit. I made, made a decision after that that I would never strive after my dreams because if I try to strive and position myself somewhere, I'll actually never know if it was God. But if I can be unhurried and partner with the Lord and say, Lord, what's the next step I should do today for my dream? Um, when I get there, I'll know that I got there with God. And that's a completely different mm -hmm. journey. Absolutely. And, you know, I tell people all the time on this podcast, when he gives us a vision or when he speaks a word to us, we then mix our faith with it. And those are the things that sustain us in the hard times when nobody's looking, nobody's paying attention. When we have no funding, we're doing it for free. That's what sustains you. That's what you keep on your perspective is this is what he spoke. This is what I'm doing. And if you just stay in that place and keep going and don't quit, like, just like you said, just be quiet and bear fruit. He won't let you down. That's so true. 
So good, Wendy. Would you mind praying for our listeners today, whatever is on your heart before we go? I feel like the Lord has just really quickened to me. You'll notice it when Jesus was up on the Mount of Temptation in that story that you referred to, where the enemy came to him and he said, if you're the son of God, that that part of his life came right after he was baptized by John. And it was declared over him, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Immediately, he went out into the desert and the enemy um, declared, you know, if you're the son of God. So he attacks God's dream in Jesus. He questions it. Okay. And when you look at where, what happens next, he defeats the enemy there. He comes down off the hill. And now man says, isn't this just the carpenter's son? You're not the son of God. They're questioning God's dream. They're trying to push him off the cliff. I think the most important thing that you can do when you have a dream is allow God to change your mindset so that you see yourself in the dream. Mm. You see yourself as the global leader, the public speaker, the book writer, because the battle around your dream is actually a battle around your identity. Mm -hmm. The enemy did everything he could to try to steal Jesus's dream. You are the son of God. And Jesus allowed what God said to be truer than anything that was happening. He said, it is written. Mm -hmm. God has written on many of your hearts and on your scrolls in heaven, a destiny for you that is greater than what you're walking in. And if you could take this next season and begin to see yourself in the dream, you have to see yourself as the leader. And, and, and that lines up with acting like the leader, dressing like the leader, behaving like the leader, doing everything you can to align your life with what that person looks like character-wise, generosity-wise. You will see that as you conform yourself to that identity that matches the dream, the doors begin to open up before you. So let me pray for your listeners. Father, I want to thank you for these listeners today. And I want to thank you that you are the dream giver. And when you give a dream, you invite us to take a realm. And there are realms that need to be taken by these listeners. There are realms of finances. There are realms of compassion and care for others. There are realms of creativity. There are realms of uh, speaking your word. There are realms of writing. They need to be taken. And so, Jesus, I ask you right now to release the mantle on each one, the mantle of that dream, that they would feel covered by you in that dream and called into that dream to pursue that mantle. I want to thank you, Father, that you will cause uh, favor and open doors and opportunity and influence to come open in front of every person. Let it be upon their life. I thank you that you will change their expectations from defeat into opportunity and excitement and the desire to dream. I want to break off the lie that you are too old, that you are too young, that you were too unknown, you were too invisible, that there's no opportunity for you. We break that lie today in Jesus' name. And we release onto you the truth that God has planted within you 
a unique dream and a way of doing and expressing life through yourself that is unlike any other person. Mm -hmm. I pray, Father, that you will cause an excitement to rise within people and a desire to change their lives. I thank you, Father, that we can decree over their lives that this season of shutdown is over and that it is time to dream again. I decree that over you today. It is time to dream again. And I thank you, Father, for implanting new dreams into your people. But I also thank you, Father, for taking those old dreams, those little seeds that are on the shelf and they look like they've been there for 20 years and that you would begin to water them with your spirit, water them with your presence, uh, invade people's lives with opportunities to get those old dreams off the shelf and activate them and bring them to pass. I wanna thank you for the fruit that is gonna come in the lives of your people in this next year. I thank you, Father, that the one thing that this pandemic has taught us is that we need to live for what matters. And so right now, as we close this show, I just ask you, God, to show each person within themselves that elevated picture. If fear wasn't an issue, if opportunity or money or time wasn't an issue, what would you be doing? What is that one thing that you have that you want to do for God before you pass into eternity and it's still there? We ask you to magnify that to them, God, and let them begin to dream again. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Wendy. I know that's going to bless so many people, and I am so excited because we have got a great commission to fulfill, and every single one of us are playing a part. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. It was a pleasure. If you want to get a copy of Wendy's book, Just Getting Started, I will have it in links to the show notes as well as where you can connect with her. I hope and I pray that today's show has blessed you. Be sure to check those out at cpnshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I hope today's episode has blessed you. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and don't forget to sign up for our ministry mailing list for more encouraging content about our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Just text JESUS to 1-833-815-7778. That's 1-833-815-7778. 7778. And of course, it's your turn now to join the conversation. Send me your burning questions, leaders you would like to hear from in the body of Christ, your testimonies, and more. Just click join the conversation in the show notes. And for more information about our ministry, visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless.